I'm the underdog with the heroic card. I'm Eric Jones Jr. I have to keep pushing for my kids. If I give up, what's that leave them with? Nothing. I have to understand that it's bigger than me. That it's not about me when I wake up and go to work. It's not about me when I'm reading and educate myself. It's not about me when I'm practicing my speeches. It's not about me. It's about my family. Hey, 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 you're now tuned in to Underdog Talk. I'm your host, Eric Jones Jr., the underdog with the heroic heart, and I have conversations with successful underdogs. And today I have Miss Christine Erico, which I love because, you know, my name is Eric, so it's something similar. She's a confidence and transformation coach. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Eric, and thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, no problem. Thank you for coming on and thank you for being able to share. I won't get into your story just yet, but we have somewhat of a similar story. So it's super dope to see another person that didn't let um, something that they couldn't control stop them from being great, stop them from being a successful underdog. So today's episode is brought to you by Christian Dewan. That's my clothing line, uh, me and my son. And if you use the promo code underdog talk, underdog is spelled U-N-D-E-R-D-A-W-G talk, you get um, 15% off. We got t-shirts, sweatshirts, um, hoodies, definitely about to have the hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, My son is uh, so funny. He was like, uh, I was telling him I'm about to record. He's like, yeah, you got three jobs. I'm like, what jobs? He's like, you got the our, our clothing line, you got the podcast and you're a teacher. I'm like, I guess because you don't do no work, you know. I do all the, all the work, so yeah. I guess I do got three jobs, even though it's both of our business. But he's only eight, so you know, time will come with that. Um, let's get into today's conversation. Uh, tell us where it started. Tell us how it started. What the you know what life looked like when it started for you. Absolutely, yeah. So I was born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate, and what that means is that the roof of my mouth and my lip did not properly form when I was born. This created a gap from my upper lip into my nose and my palate. As a result, I couldn't eat properly, I couldn't drink, I couldn't nurse, I couldn't, there's a lot of things I couldn't do, including, you know, talk properly. So I had more than 20 surgeries in my life to close, repair my lip, close the palate, and be able to function normally with eating, drinking, and speaking. My first surgery was when I was about two months old. I really don't remember it. And then I had a lot of surgeries uh, when I was like three years old, uh, you know, five years old, six years old, all the way through school, all the way through high school, I had some surgeries. My last surgery was when I was in my late 20s, and that was actually my second bone graft uh, to put the bone in my upper jaw for implants. Uh, So one of the most memorable things about having all these surgeries is that, and this is why I'm also an underdog, is my teachers told me I would never amount to anything because I missed so much school from my surgeries. And they also thought that having a facial difference meant I lacked intelligence. So um, neither neither of them obviously is true. And as I got older, um, I realized that I wasn't going to let my disability or my facial difference hold me back. It's actually quite ironic is that I denied that there was anything wrong with me for most of my life. For 42 years, I said, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. I'm normal. I'm just like the other kids. 
it wasn't until I actually found a Facebook group for other adults with a cholesterol impairment like me that I started to realize it's time to start denying and start accepting who I am and my facial difference and what I've been through in life. So that kind of made me open up a little bit more. Uh, I joined, started volunteering with Smile Train, helping them spread their message and their communication. And I decided to become a coach to help other adults with a cholesterol impairment learn to overcome the obstacles they've endured, social anxiety, improving their confidence, and improving their sense of self. So that's where I am today. And my biggest achievement so far was giving my TEDx talk in March of 2022. I love it. I I, I love everything about it because it's similar, similar to my story. Mm -hmm. That's why uh, when you had wrote and you wrote down what what your story was, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to hear this because Mm -hmm. I had my first surgery at six months old. Um, I've had surgery. I didn't miss a lot of school um, because I just had got a cast on my arms. Um, So I didn't miss a lot of school. But like, you know, when you said people, uh, the teachers were like, oh, because you look a certain way. It's like, what does my arm Mm got to do with my reading, my writing, my intelligence? What does my arms got to do with me having heart? Like it has the way you look has nothing to do how smart or whatever, whatever smart looks like. I don't even think smart has a look <laughs> because I definitely don't look like I'm probably a teacher. And it's like, I, I don't know what a teacher, I don't know what you thought a teacher looked like, but I'm me. And when you're yourself, right. it's like, no matter what you look like, where you come from, like you can be smart, you can be rich, you can be whatever you want to be. And it's like, I never understood that with people. Like, cause mm-hmm. what? that makes no sense. Or like uh, for us, sometimes people think we're weak and they'll try to mm-hmm. talk to us yes. in no way or who, who are you talking to? I'm, like, <laughs> I definitely like, I'm not one that's like, you're going to distress. Like, who are you? Like, what makes you think that you should talk to me that way? Because I look this way. No, you're not going to talk to me. So I definitely like understand that. That That's one thing that mm-hmm. hurts me the most. And I love how you said, you know, you... You heard what the people said. Oh, you ain't going to mount to nothing. You're going to just be your regular, regular Christine mm-hmm. that graduated, live at home in, in the hometown, work a regular job, you know, get your little pension, all that good stuff. It's like, <laughs> no. And you, you help other people that's like you. See, I help like young people. I don't, I don't know. I've never, uh, never not thought of it, but. I just I just mm-hmm. go for younger people and a lot of younger people that I help don't look like me, but it helps because they like, why do you look like that? I want to know more about you. I'm going to listen to you. I think uh, even the same with you, like when people see you and they know you're a speaker, they're like, hmm, she seems interesting. Let me see what she has to talk about. So how was school? How was <sighs> actually being in the school, like with kids, not just the teachers, but how was school for you? School was horrible. I, I mean, I have, I don't have any good memories of school. It was just endless bullying. I didn't have very many friends at all. Nobody wanted to be my friend because they thought what I had was contagious, or they just didn't want to be seen with me because they <laughs> thought I looked like a monster, and they thought I was, you know, just disgusting. So nobody wanted to be with me. Uh, I was bullied so many times. I was called horrible names. I was called monkey face. I was called, you know, they, he, he, uh, children said that my mother had sex with a monkey. 
Uh, they said my mother got kicked in the stomach when she was pregnant. Even I overheard adults bullying and saying things about me. They they thought I couldn't hear, but I heard, you know, mom saying, oh, well, you know, I'm glad she's not my kid. I would have left her at the hospital. And, you know, so school was horrible. I mean, aside from the teachers, they didn't do anything to stop the bullying because the bullying would take place in the playground or after school. And it was just, it was terrible. It was actually one memorable event. I was in seventh or eighth grade right before high school. I just had a surgery. It was the summertime. It was time to go back to school and I had bandages on my lip. And my mother was very strong and she was like, you're not going to let this hold you back. You're not going to, you know, you're normal. There's nothing wrong with you. You can go to school. Your legs, your arms, your legs, your eyes, your ears, everything's fine. You can go to school. I don't care if you have bandages on your lip. So I went to school with bandages on my lip and the kids actually called me Hitler. And that was so painful and it was so hard to hear. And that was how I really learned to deal with the bullying by just shutting down and pretending I didn't hear it and pretending it didn't bother me. But that didn't help at all. It only made it worse because then I just ignored it. And you can't ignore emotions. They're going to come out some way or another. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know. I had, school was fun, but I had the bullying. And if I was you, mm-hmm. I ain't going to lie to you. I would have whooped, I've been whooping some people's ass. Like, you're not going <laughs> to talk to me any old way. You said, what? My mama who? Man, I'm fighting. I'm I'm fight, I'm swinging on everybody, the adults. I might not swing on you, but oh, you said what? Oh, okay, I'm coming for your head too. Like so, for me, like I had to learn how to joke. Like I had to learn how to yeah. joke. Like if I didn't, it would have been horrible. I probably would have had the same kind of experience. But I learned how to joke back, and I had friends. I had friends that like if you talked about me, they they ready. They they own mm-hmm. it. They we fighting like and so I had people that would stick up for me, but I stuck up for myself. I've always I got a smart mouth. I've always said, you know, I've always spoke my mind. So it don't it didn't matter that my arms were shorter. I look different. You're never going to talk to me any kind of way or just think you're going to joke. So I've always had kind of that confidence to come back at people. So right. I did. It's like you look stupid joking on a dude with the short arms and talking about his arms. And like, so now you look dumb. So people wouldn't really joke on me as much, but I did get in fights. Like I definitely like, I'm not, I don't know. Cause I, cause where I was raised, I'm raised from a small town. I got friends from around the way, you know, like that's kind of what I knew. So it's like, you're not going to talk about me and think that you're going to bully me. Uh, I remember, I do remember once though, it was sixth grade um this kid was joking on i don't even remember what he was saying but i started crying and i remember i was like i don't know why i was crying like he just mm-hmm. hit that, that that day like he hit me and i was like man and from that day forth i just was like no nah, i'm not gonna let what somebody says yeah. about me make me feel a certain way so i definitely you know understand school i didn't like school i i went yeah. to school for the friends i didn't go for the education so i definitely understand uh your pain because it is very painful um yeah and now being a teacher and you you're a teacher as well like when you see kids it's like okay they might be going through something because i used to go through Mm -hmm. stuff and people didn't even know and if maybe somebody asked me like hey what's wrong you all right they could have been able to help and maybe i would have liked school but that doesn't happen so um you get out of school what's life like as an adult. Oh, 
Yep, life right. as an adult was hard. Even high school was hard. I didn't have, you know, in high school when you start dating, you start thinking about, you know, going, you know, romantic partnerships and everything like that. I didn't date. All my friends in high school were dating. I didn't date. Uh, again, nobody wanted to go out with me because they thought, you know, it's disgusting. I actually went to my high school prom with um, a guy, uh, the daughter, the son of a guy, uh, the son of someone that my mother worked with. Uh, she wanted me to have the whole prom experience, so she talked to one of her coworkers, and they had a son, and son agreed to go with me. And I remember feeling like so humiliated that I had to have someone, you know, go to the prom that I didn't. I, I wasn't even friends with. I met the guy once before and that was it. So I hated high school too. I mean, the, the girls were just, you know, typical mean girls, but worse because of how I looked. Um, I graduated high school. I decided I wanted to go work in business. So I went to college. And But the biggest thing is I didn't start dating until I was in my 20s. I didn't have any confidence to date. I felt like nobody's going to want to date me. So when I did start meeting guys who were interested in me, I compromised myself and if they were interested, I would go out with them even if I wasn't interested in them because my thought was like, well, I'm not going to get anything better. I'm not going to meet anybody better. You know, this is the best I can do. I, I better take it when I can. And that type of thinking actually led me into a marriage that, um, and I, it was, it was actually abusive. It ended up being an abusive marriage. I divorced him, fortunately. But I compromised myself. I married him because I wanted to get away from home. But I also thought, here's this guy. He's going to marry me. He's going to, you know, we're going to move out of New York where I grew up. And life is going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's okay if I don't feel the same way about him. This is my chance to get out. This is, you know, the only chance I get. What I learned from that situation is no matter what, don't compromise yourself. Don't compromise what you believe in and don't compromise anything because you are worth getting everything you want. And there is people out there who do genuinely care for you and you never have to settle just because of how you look, a facial difference, a birth difference, you never have to settle. So uh, moving forward in life, you know, I was married for 10 years. I actually um, eventually did get divorced. I got the courage to leave him and get divorced. And that's when I really started working with a therapist to just start to process all of my childhood trauma, everything that I've been through. Um, like I said, I denied having a craft woman palette. I denied that there was anything wrong with me. I thought I was normal. I thought, yeah, I was just born this way, but I never talked about it. I didn't want to talk about it. I was so ashamed that I did not want to talk about my craft. Even in therapy, I still wouldn't talk about it because I had that much shame in me. It wasn't until a couple of months after my mother died, uh, she passed away about five years ago, that I was bored one day and started searching Facebook for Cleft Lip and Palette just to see what I found. And I found a Facebook group with about, like a whole, over almost a thousand other members who had a Cleft Lip and Palette. I joined the group and that's when everything changed for me. I started being more open. I started talking a little bit more about my club. And that's when I started to really accept myself. So I'll leave it there for a moment, take a break, because I'm sure you probably have questions. Yeah. I um I don't know, I was different. <laughs> like when it came to relationships. I was a little different. Mm -hmm. I I was always uh a charming guy, uh definitely mannish, um, a flirt. I don't know, that's just always been me. So I didn't really get in relationships. I talked to like high school, I was shy, I didn't really 
I'm like, ah, you don't really want to talk to me. I just didn't trust. I don't know. It, I, I missed out on a couple of girlfriends in, high, in middle school and high school just because I was like, ah, I don't know. And I don't know why I felt that way. I just didn't believe that they really wanted to go with me. I thought it was like a joke or something. But then in college, that's when I like got the confidence, like, okay, I can I, I can get I can get some ladies. So <laughs> I, I was I was married too, um, got a divorce. Um but I think throughout life, though, I oh, all right. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I think my connection messed up. <clears throat> okay, oh, yeah. you now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I just got to do some editing. That's all. <laughs> so um, like I like you get comfortable with like who likes you like, oh, you like me. I'm going to accept that. And it's like, all right, cool. But then it's like, uh, you're not the right person. Like, you know, I don't even really like you like that. It's like so I definitely understand that part of it. And then um, I like that you. uh that you were able to leave. Sometimes people get stuck in a situation and they get comfortable and it's like, Oh, this, you know, I ain't dead. So, you know, everything's, <laughs> all, you know, and you keep being in situations. It don't have to be necessarily physically abusive. It could be verbally abusive. It could just be toxic in general. And sometimes we mm -hmm. just get comfortable, stay there. And then we're not able to be the person that we really are because we're somebody else in that relationship. So uh, definitely understand that. But, um, I like what you uh, you did. You you said, you know, your mom passed away. Sorry to hear that. And you were like, oh, let me look up. Let me see. Let me check it out. Because mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. people don't check out. There's other people in the world like you. It don't matter if you right. have a physical uh, look, if you have whatever. However you think, there's other people. So community is always a good thing. That's how I kind of got started with speaking, getting in the community. They were like, oh, you got a dope story. You should be a speaker. What's that? I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And they're like, uh, you know, like a motivational. And I'm like, okay, those dudes come in and got the suit on. Like, <laughs> no suit. like and but then you get to see like people now, like, you know, social media helps you see people all over. So you're like, oh, he's speaking. He don't do that. And he don't. And because you community, community is very yes. important. So yes. you join this community. You said you started being yourself. You started asking questions. You started being the authentic you and understanding who you were and like, okay, I, let me accept that I have this situation, but that situation doesn't stop me from being whatever I want to be. So you join this community. What's the next things that happen to you? Well, that, that's really a great question. Um, I joined the community and it took me a while. It was about a year. I made well. I didn't really post too much, but I was like, I finally found my people. I found people that I can relate to. And little by little, you know, from talking to them and realizing that we were able to share, you know, experiences, they, they, people went through the bullying. We were talking about what it's like, what we felt. I started talking about my own cleft and my own experiences. And I realized that in talking about it, it helped me accept who I was and it helped me accept that I had a cleft lip. It, and that was a big shift for me because, like I said, growing up, I didn't talk about it. My mother and I talked about it as much as we needed to for the medical aspect of it, going to doctors, hospital surgeries. But I never talked about the emotional side of it, the shame I felt, 
or the the lack of self-worth or the disgust or how hard it was for me growing up or the bullying. So when I was in this group and I was able to share myself and relate to others and have others relate to me and talk about it, it was like, oh, this isn't, it's not a bad thing. It's not bad to feel that shame because I look this way or it's not bad to feel, you know, hurt and upset because I was bullied. So little by little, I, I kept on accepting myself and I started getting involved working with Smile Train. So Smile Train is a global nonprofit organization and they train medical professionals all over the world to do these cleft surgeries uh, for areas that don't have the resources of the trained doctors. I volunteer with them and I help strengthen their global communications, their marketing message, and help strengthen the cleft community within the United States. So by volunteering with them, that helped me also accept myself, accept my cleft, uh, come out of my shell a little bit more, and start to figure out really who I was. And my love, I've always loved helping people, but it was never around my cleft. It was never around, you know, I, know, I didn't talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it. So I would help in other ways. You know, I was, that's why I became a teacher at first. But little by little, I realized that accepting myself and talking about my club helps me be true and honest and who I am. And I was happier because I wasn't hiding. I wasn't denying who I was. I wasn't pretending to be something I'm not. And I wasn't using all that energy to hold into the, the anger and the shame. And by letting it go, I just felt like, okay, now I can really live. Now I can really enjoy myself and not have to worry about what people think or how I look or are they staring at my scars because if they are, they are. That's their problem. It doesn't, you know, I don't care anymore because I'm okay with who I am. So that kind of led, you know, with Smile Train, it's been an amazing experience. I love working with them. I actually got the chance to go to Kenya, visit the hospitals there where they do the surgeries, visit some of the children that had the surgeries. And then in May of this year, I went to Colombia and visited hospitals in Colombia and children and patients that also received surgeries there. So it's been really fantastic. And just continuing to be part of the community, connecting with others has helped me uh, become you know, more of who I'm supposed to be and who I am and really figure out who I am. I love it. I love you said you're okay with being you. Like yes. you have to understand that it's okay to be yourself because when you're not yourself, you're it like life isn't enjoyable. Like when right. like us, we go through, you know, kind of uh, identity crisis because we look a certain way and we want to kind of please others. But then it's like, ah, that don't really work out for me. It's like when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I didn't drive because I was scared that like nobody really knew. Like I didn't care that I didn't drive when I was a kid because I was scared. So I always rode with my friends and did what they did. It's like it was cool. But then as an adult, when I actually started driving, when I could leave somewhere because I'm like, ah, this ain't me or this ain't mm -hmm. fun or whatever. It like some of those friendships left because it was like those people. Um, I wasn't who I wanted to be, who I needed to be, or who I was right. with them. And it wasn't like, oh, we're not friends or nothing. It just, you know, life happened. But that's kind of how it is when you kind of find yourself, when you're, yes. you're like you. Like, I like to color and paint and different stuff. Everybody don't like to do that. I like mm -hmm. podcasting and different stuff, and everybody don't. And I always tell people, everybody didn't like Jesus. You're not going to like me. Everybody not mm -hmm. going to like me. I don't really care if you don't like me. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And when I realized that, like, I was able to be a teacher. 
I was able to go speak and be a basketball coach and all these different things because I had that confidence. Like, this is who I am. Like, this mm-hmm. is what I do. Like, I don't, I'm not going to not go coach basketball because somebody going to be like, oh, that guy got short arms and my team winning. We won a championship. What are you talking about? My arms ain't, right. got, nothing do, my arms ain't got nothing to do with nothing. We didn't want a championship because of my brain, because of my heart and what <laughs> That's I right. kids. So just like with what you said, like, you stuck with your community, which is wonderful. Like when, cause everybody needs an advocate, uh, advocate. Like you got, yes. you know, somebody to talk and they're like, Oh, they got what I got. And they're okay with it. Now somebody that sees you or somebody that watches a video or whatever, they're like, Oh man, I know somebody like this. Let me show them the video. And now they got confidence because you have the confidence because you're in that community. I, <clears throat> I don't I've never really dove in that community for myself. Like um, I've met some people, talked to some people, maybe different disabilities, physical, but never like mine. I see people um, now like, you know, how um, on ESPN they'll have somebody with a disability playing. And I'm like, where were y'all at when I where were y'all at when I was young? I was hooping. I'm like, I've been hooping. Where was y'all at when I was young? I could have been an ESPN story. I promise when I was a kid, I'm like, man, why can't I get on ESPN? Like, I used to see that, and I'm like, man, I, I used to hate that. But now as an adult, when I see it, it's like, that's dope. Like, it's a kid. Mm-hmm. He has one arm. He's going to a D1 college. Like, he he would dust me in basketball because he's taller than me, and he could dunk on me. Mm-hmm. But I would give him a run for his money. But just seeing somebody like that, like, that that makes me feel good. Like seeing somebody like you go out and not allow what you look like or what people say about you stop you from doing that. So as uh how did you become a coach? And I and I and I was sitting here thinking, I was listening to you, I was like, I know how she became a coach because the <laughs> confidence came from life. Um, the transformation came from life, like you lived these things. <laughs> but how did you get into coaching, like you know, the business part of coaching? That's a really great question. And I'll, I'll be totally upfront and just to touch a little bit on what you said. I can relate to growing up and not having any role models that looked like us. I mean, there were a couple of, you know, there's a couple of stars, Stacey Keach and uh, the singer with the Pussycat Dolls and Peyton Manning, but they weren't really around when I was growing up. And I never saw anybody with a cleft. So I felt so alone. So to see role models and, and to, you know, I, I think that it's it's really hard when they when you don't have a role model or somebody that looks like you do growing up, like you said, you know, a basketball player. Uh, but to answer your question, how I became a coach, the more work I did with smile train volunteering, and that really pushed me into the advocacy role. And I met so many people with a cleft lip and palate, and just by being more active in the group, I realized there was this really big missing area where adults with a cleft lip and palate like me still have all of these emotional and mental challenges that they're trying to overcome. We've been through traumatic childhood. We've been bullied. We're still bullied at times. We're still looked at differently or or passed over for jobs even today sometimes. We still deal with all of those issues. And there's medical support to repair our lip and do the surgeries. There's no emotional support to help us build that confidence, help us build, get over that anxiety and build that self-esteem and build that self-worth. And what I realized is that I can combine my teaching experience, you know, what I've learned from teaching and what I've learned about, and, you know, 
those stats and my love of helping people and bring it together in a coaching capacity to help people become better and overcome their challenges. So whether it's social anxiety, confidence, the shame, uh, wanting to have more self-worth, anything. So that's how, that's how I started coaching and just building on what I've learned using the techniques and the tips that I've learned growing up. Well, not even growing up, because like I said, most of my transformation has been within the last five and six years as an adult. But thinking back to how things were, making those connections and, and telling my clients, hey, I see you. I got you. I know what you're going through. I've been through that too. You know, let's get through this together. Let's re- rebuild that confidence and, and get rid of that shame together. We can do it. So that's kind of how I got into coaching. I understand. I, I, I love that. Coaching, like when you're, when you speak, you know, coaching kind of that idea always comes. I think I'd rather be a basketball coach, but I understand like when you inspire and impact people, you coach people through conversation. Like you, like if you got a friend going through something and you like, Oh, and, and sometimes with me, it's like, uh, that little smile inside you like, Ooh, I get to talk about stuff I like. And it's it's good to help other, you know, it's good to help other people. And, um, I think just working with kids, maybe that way of coaching for me, but I don't necessarily want to do coaching, but I know the Mm -hmm. importance because you got to have a coach like as a, whoever you are, like, um, Michael Jack, Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson probably had a coach. My uh, <laughs> Oprah Winfrey, Denzel Washington, Tom Brady, like Steph Curry, like all these great people that we see, they have coaches and they yes. have to help them see what they don't see, to help them to say stuff that they don't necessarily want to hear, but they need to hear because you want a coach that's relatable. You want a coach that's yes. been through similar things to you because they're going to keep it real with you. They, you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta keep it funky with somebody and tell them how it is. And that's their way to get over it. Cause it's, it's like life, life going to mm-hmm. keep it funky with you too. It's going to smack you in your face. Somebody in your family might die. You might get in an accident, COVID, whatever happens. And it's like, are you just going to sit there and let it, you know, take you out? Or are you going to go and, you know, fight back? And that's kind of how a coach helps you. It's like, you going through something, you wanna you wanna see the next level. You you right there, but you're missing something. And that's what the coach is for. That's what a mentor is for. That's what you know you're for for your community. And that's wonderful to see um someone that's wanting to help emotionally and mentally so people can have a better life physically because it starts from the inside. It don't absolutely all about both of us understand that like. If we didn't have the mindset that we, the strong mindset that we have, if we didn't have the heart that we have, we wouldn't be on, we wouldn't be talking right now. We'd be doing mm-hmm. something else, but we didn't allow um, our situation. We didn't allow, like we both were born with it. It wasn't like, oh, when I was nine, something happened. No, it started out, out the gates. Like, here you go. Here goes. Here, here you go. And you're like, okay. And you don't realize what you go through is for other people. So right. when did you realize you were born that way to help other people? Like, when did that light bulb like, ooh, I get it now? It, it was really a slow journey. It started when I joined the Facebook group. And over the course of a couple of years, my work with Smile Train. And it was really about 
two years ago when I realized like, oh, hey, you know, I, I, I was burned out on teaching. I was tired of it. I've been doing it for almost 12, 13 years. And I realized, hey, you know, there's this need to help people become better, overcome their shame and, and improve their confidence. And I've been down that journey. And while I'm not there yet, my path is, my journey is far from over. I'm far enough along that I know I can help other people get there and be happier and live a more fulfilling life. And that's when I realized like, okay, you know, I can just start helping people. I started doing some research. I became a certified life coach, went through the training and, you know, having a business background, setting up the business aspect of it was really easy and being part of the community and, you know, just reaching out to, to the people I knew and letting them know, hey, I'm here to help. And it's been fabulous working with so many different people and helping them build their confidence, helping them realize that you don't have to live unhappy. You don't have to live sad. You don't have to live held hostage by how you look. Because if you just change your mindset, change how you think about things, there is a whole world that is so wide open to you of happiness and abundance and everything that you want. So that's how I kind of became a coach. And I love what I'm doing. I love helping people. I love seeing their transformation and seeing them reach their goals. Yeah, that's that's dope that you said it, mm-hmm. it just happened not too long ago, that aha moment where it's like yes. it, it took me till I was 30. Um, I think yeah. that was like around the first time I started speaking. And I was like, oh, I get it. Because somebody came up, like a couple people was like, man, your story was inspiring and helped. And I'm like, really? And then I was like, okay, I get it. That Okay, God, this is why I had to go through all that bullshit that I thought was bullshit, you know, throughout those years. But it was really lessons. Like, we learn a lot through going yes. through, through our different stuff. Um, because sometimes our adjustments are different than everybody else's adjustment. Like, yes. if I need to open something, the way I open it might be different than most humans. My adjustments are different. So, you once you learn that anything that you go through is a lesson and you can learn from it and you can you know be better that's what really helps that's what a coach is that's what some that's what this podcast mm-hmm. kind of is about like you listening to people's story and seeing nobody's perfect just cuz people got this amount of money or they live a certain way they've been through some shit they've been through mm-hmm. life and it's punched them in the face and you just got to get up I'm, I'm sure it's been many a times in life. You're like, man, skip this. I'm over this. I'm ready. This is just dumb. Like, why am I going through this? Like, what the heck? And then it's like, no, I'm here for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like, it's something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. And then when that happens, it's like every day you get to help at least one person. That's like the that's that's enjoy that's enjoyable to me. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's the same with you. So absolutely. So. You don't have to get like into like deep into your coaching, but kind of how do you, uh, Christine, help someone that will be in your coaching program? Um, like, what do you do? How does that work? That's a really good question. So I start off by having, you know, a, a call with the, with the person, with the potential client when they contact me. And I ask them what they want to work on. I find out what their biggest issues are, what's holding them back from being happy from reaching their goals. And then we work together. I create a plan with them and we work together to overcome those issues. Most of the time it's, it's issues like building self-confidence, feeling, uh, dealing with social anxiety, 
wanting to go out and meet people, just wanting to get rid of the shame or managing those emotions. Uh, you know, um, for a lot of us, we didn't have that outlet to deal with our emotions growing up. We were either told to stuff it like I was or just not know what was going on. So as a result, those emotions are still there. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of shame, a lot of just triggering events. You know, sometimes if we see somebody, somebody sees somebody with a crutch that could trigger. For me, my trigger is hospitals. Anytime I have to go in a hospital, it's really uncomfortable for me because of all the memories and all the surgeries. So I come up with like a three point plan that I work with people to help them build their confidence by learning how to interact with people, setting boundaries, saying no, asking for what you want. Uh, you mentioned earlier how you used to love to just be a people pleaser and help people and, and go along with whatever the crowd wanted. I was a major people pleaser. I, cause I wanted to be accepted and liked. I did whatever anybody wanted. You know, my few friends that I had, especially in college, I had a little more friends. They wanted to go out drink until four in the morning. It didn't matter if I had class the next day, I would do it because I didn't want to be rejected. But living like that, living like a people pleaser, it compromised me and it turned me into someone I wasn't and I didn't know who I was. So I work with my clients to help them realize that they don't have to be a people pleaser. They can be their true self and not be afraid of rejection, not be afraid of uh, telling people no, and also how to have the confidence to ask for what they want and work through the fear that they're not going to get laughed at, they're not going to get judged. And if they are, it's okay. It's not going to hurt them because we've been through so much more than just someone laughing at us and someone judging us and someone telling us no. So I also work on managing emotions with my clients. Uh, you know, just the other day I was talking to a client, I was actually talking to a friend and she got very triggered by something from her past. And so I helped her get grounded. I work on mindfulness. Uh, be living in the present because it's so easy to live in the past and be full of anger or hatred that we were born this way or full of anger and hatred that people treat us the way we do and that there's not more role models out there that look like us so by learning to manage those emotions it helps build the acceptance and it helps us realize that our emotions don't have to control us we control you know we're, we're in control of our emotions so it's it's working with other people, it's managing those emotions, and it's mindfulness. One day at a time, being grateful for what we have, that we're here, that I have, you know, the ability to be an advocate, that I have wonderful friends now, wonderful community, and not worrying about the past anymore because that's done, and not worrying about the future because it's not here yet. And just living in the moment is just, you know, it's, it makes you happier. So. I come up with that plan and I work with the clients and I'm very client oriented based on their needs. They have, you know, sometimes you go through examples, clients as well. Yeah, I went out to dinner, you know, the other night and my food came out wrong and I took the chance and I sent it back and I said, this is not what I wanted, which maybe in the past they would have just taken it and not said anything. So we work through examples like that. We work through daily uh, exercises, issues that they may have with family that relate to what, how they're trying to improve. I, I love it. I love it. I usually ask for um, guests to say tips, but you gave a whole bunch of tips um, so they just listen to the end part of the, you know, the episode and they get all the tips that they need. I, I, love, uh, I love what you said, but at the beginning you were like, what triggers you? And people don't get yes. it. I yes. am terrified of needles. Like I oh, am yes. so, 
terrified. Like people don't get it. Like, oh man, you know, you ain't been to the hospital. You ain't had the surgeries. Mm -hmm. You ain't been poked as many times as mm -hmm. I've been poked and the vein ain't been found. Like I hate them. Like, like yeah. I had to get my teeth pulled out. I don't, I'm like, no, I, I you got the needle. And the last <laughs> time I did it, lady poking me and poking and all. And I'm just like, I closed my eyes. Cause I'm like, I gotta get this tooth out. Cause it was so painful. So I had to suck it up, but like, I'm very like, and I don't like hospitals either. Like, mm -hmm. nah, I'm like I don't really need, mm -hmm. no, I don't like, cause you've been, we've been there so much. Like, yes. you know, it's not like if somebody's in the hospital, like you gotta be real, real close to me for me to come. It's nothing towards yeah. you. I just yes. don't like hospitals. Like, I don't like the yes. white I don't like none of that. I, uh, yeah. The food, the, the smell, how cold it is. Yes. Like, I hate, oh, I hate it. But <laughs> I love uh, what you said, like you, how you help people. And it's because of what you went through is what, you know, you've overcome. And mm -hmm. it starts with the mind and it starts, it starts from within inside you. And if you mm -hmm. don't work on within inside you, it don't matter how handsome you are, how beautiful you are, none of that. If like you could lose weight, you could get a big butt, you could get, uh, you know, you could get muscles, whatever the case may be. But if you're not who you are on the inside, then it doesn't really matter. And we, ha we both understood that you had to work on the inside rather than work on the outside. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Um, can I get a quote? I need a quote. It could be your quote. It could be whatever the case, you know, some of you read, but I need a quote from you. And then after the quote, tell people how they can reach you, how they can find you online. Okay. So I actually have, uh, you know, two quotes. My favorite quote is my, my favorite Disney princess, Elsa. And I say, let it go. Let go of the past. Let go of the emotions. Just let it go. But my other quote is also just, be yourself. Be true. Follow your heart. Follow your instinct. Follow your gut, and you will never go wrong. And so, I would love to connect with people, the community. I love to talk to people. I love to find out if you know we we'd be a good match to work together. I can help you. So you can find me on Facebook, CoachChristineErico.com, or on Instagram at ChristineErico.com. Very easy to find. You can also, I know we didn't really get to talk about my TED talk. I gave a TED talk on growing up and living with a class with a palette. If you look for me on YouTube, the TED talk is there. Um, so I invite you to watch it and just send me a message on social media and I'll reply. We didn't. I, I love those quotes. Very simple, very simple mm -hmm. quotes, but they're very powerful. And being a kindergarten teacher, I definitely know the song, Let It Go, because you, you got to play <laughs> it every now and then. Um, of course. About being yourself. I'm, it's for me, I, I made a shirt because I got a clothing line out, and it said, a lovable asshole. I know that doesn't <laughs> fit everybody's life, but that's me. You know, I, I just, I accept who I am. I'm a very kind person, but I'm going to keep it funky with you. And that's just, mm -hmm. you know, I am and you found who you are and you're able to help people. And we definitely didn't talk about your TEDx. Um, that is something dope. We can like, so you don't have to talk about the, what you, well, you can talk, talk a little bit what you talked about because you said the title, but how did that opportunity happen for you? Uh, well, I'll try to keep this short. I know we're running a little bit out of time. 
um, I always wanted to be a TED speaker ever since I first saw my first video. You know, I don't know, probably about 20 years ago, I was watching, I saw the videos. I always liked them. I always wanted to be a TED speaker. I never thought I would have talked about my class book and palette. I thought I would talk about teaching, accounting, you know, something like that, because that was back then I was in, in denial about who I was. Uh, once I started doing the advocacy work and really figuring out who I was and ready to talk about myself and talk about my club, I realized I can share my message with the world. But more importantly, the society and the public didn't know much about Class Footman Palette, and I wanted to educate. And I said, what better platform than the TED platform to educate and to tell people about Class Footman Palette and what it's like and what we go through. Uh, I was inspired actually also by uh, another person I met in the group. She has a Class Footman Palette and she gave a TED talk and she kind of inspired me. So I applied. It took three tries before I was accepted, refining the application, refining my talk, keep trying. But that's what I am. I'm, I, I persevere and I'm determined and I, I don't give up easily. So I finally got accepted. It was the experience of a lifetime. It was incredibly hard work, but so rewarding and so exhilarating to be able to get up on that stage and share my experience and talk about what I've been through, talk about my work with Smile Train. I went to Kenya, I visited the hospitals there and see what I saw and the people I met. It was just a fantastic experience. And the best part was after my talk was over and I got to mingle with the audience, having so many people come up to me and tell me that they never knew what was involved with having a cleft of a poor palate. They may have briefly heard about it, they may have seen people with it, but they never knew firsthand experience. So talking about that and, and feeling like, okay, I've educated people today. I, you know, I did my, my, what I wanted to do. That was just, my heart was full and my heart was overflowing with that. And I just, it was amazing. That's dope. I would, I, I can't wait till I get the board. So I got a clap of hands. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, why you did the TEDx talk because you watched them, you, you, you know, you envisioned it when you when you didn't even know you envisioned it because you never knew that you would talk about what you're going to talk about. But you watched them. You were prepared for that talk years ago because you already watched mm -hmm. it. And like you said, it was hard, but it was yes. rewarding. And life is yes. hard. But when you get yes. through that hard, life is rewarding. So uh, kudos to you. Um, thank you again so much for um, giving us knowledge. I kind of didn't really know what it was. I, I'm not saying it because I don't want to mess it up. I'm bad with words. So I haven't said it the whole time. It's nothing against. <laughs> I just don't like jacking words up if I don't have to. So um, it's, it's dope that you were, you know, were able to share and tell us and have another person that's similar to me. That's an underdog. That's like, okay, I don't care what you got to say. I don't care what you think. I know my own ability. And when you know your own ability, it don't matter what other people say or what they, you know, results are going to, you know, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. If you put, you know, mm -hmm. the number, if you do what you're supposed to, you'll get what you're supposed to. So um, Absolutely. any last words before we get out of here? Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, and I just love to tell all of your listeners, believe in yourself, stay strong. You can do anything you want. Uh don't let your limited don't don't let yourself hold you back if you want something go after it ask for help there's no shame in asking for help and you are so worth it no matter what and you know if eric and i could overcome the things we did anybody can 
And on that note, peace. One love. (laughs)